Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Bledders Low Cup review show. We'll also review all the Manchester Cup stuff and Farrah Palmer Cup stuff. And you know what? I've got slave driver Arshwin on the show. You know what? He's saying, Paul, go, go, go. It's showtime. Okay. Hurry well, up, Paul. Oh, dearie me. You're like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Calm it down, boy. Calm it down. Jeez. We're not Sky. We don't have a guy. I don't know if you guys remember watching uh, Bill and Ted. So we have the guy who goes, five. Go live. Anyway, um, all of that kind of wonderful stuff. For those of you on the podcast, now you'll have missed that entire visual gag entirely. Um, not that it was that funny, as you can tell, because Stephen Harris and Ashwin, neither of whom are laughing at this stage. Don't worry, I'll go around and whip them later for not for for, for not uh, getting on with the uh, with, with with the main um, host, founder, um, and uh, all round top guy of uh, New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, how you so? How you doing, boys? Um, hey, Steve, oh, well, uh, how's your uh, how's your weekend been? You go first, Dashwood. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think he goes first. I asked you specifically. I did. Yeah, I went past him and asked you. Oh, God, I, thought we were doing, I thought we were doing the alphabetical thing, but never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, <laughs> if Arshin's going to snore, he can beep down the back of the back of the queue and come last. <laughs> <laughs> no, weekend, weekend's been uh, pretty good, but square eyes. Watching so much footy, so uh, no, all good. Oh, cool. and um, Arthur, um, I've been the builder for the audience because I'm sure they do. I'm Bob the builder. I've been making little bits and pieces for the business. <laughs> so, <laughs> and trying to watch uh, rugby. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow you. You, you. You've got ten seconds. Go quick. Plug your company. Oh, plug company. Yeah, if you need to have safety looked at in your workspace with electrical testing and tagging and fire safety, DM me now. Done. There we go, folks. Um, yeah, if you don't want to electrocute yourself, have a chat with Arthur. Um, particularly if you're in New Zealand. If you're uh, over in Australia and want to fly him out there, I'm sure he'll be happy to do that as well. I'm sure he'd love to do a 14 day isolation when he comes back. Um, anyway, <laughs> keeping you all safe. Uh, you know what, guys? I think we'll kick off with the Bledisloe Cup, right? And then we'll get through all the My 10 Cup stuff and the Farrell Palmer Cup stuff after that. Um, and uh, wow, have you caught your breath yet? Because boy, oh boy, that was a cracker, wasn't it? It, it was. It, 
one of those classic games you didn't want to end, did it? It's like and it would and it keep going and going. You didn't want it to end. Oh dear me. So you didn't want a result. You just wanted to keep keep on playing, guys. Um look at the end of the day. Let's be honest, those guys were out on their feet and and kicking the ball out was the right option. So I don't think we're going to be blaming James O'Connor for what he did at that point. Um, Not from your own goal area. Maybe maybe if he was on the 22, then you sort of say, hello, you have a go. What are you doing? But it's like, yeah, when you're inside your own goal area, there's no support around you. You're going to kick the ball into touch and end the game. Yep, absolutely. But um, I guess we should probably talk about the first half first. Uh, all this kind of chronological kind of stuff. All Blacks had the winds that had the wind at their backs, um, but the Aust- the Aussies and the Wallabies managed to um, uh, sort of dominate territory and possession. I uh, sort of missed opportunity in that first half by the All Blacks not actually playing the conditions very well. Maybe. Yeah, you did. You did right, Paul. I think the uh, thing about the Wallabies, they just held on to the ball for really long periods, and there was a lot of variety in their attack. They almost used. Uh, um, Taniala Tupou, like a, a first receiver uh, throughout the game, and he, he he always got them over the advantage line. But what really surprised me is the fact that they were getting over the advantage line, but they were a little bit negated by the fact that the uh, Wallaby back line was a little deep. But I thought there was some great work going on behind the scrum, especially from Nick White. When you give him, uh, you know, quick quick ball, and you're you're in behind a team. He, he can just then do his magic. He's really got the opportunity to run or pass or, or look at the options that are available. And Ashton, what do you think about nocturnal rights um, um, sort of comment there that this was um, the old Hanson game plan from the old Yeah, Blackson? I was, I was going to say, it's just like, um, I think, you know, just, just I'll, I'll come back to what Steve said as well, but it's just like, we haven't evolved our game plan. And what, are we expecting that um, teams aren't going to, um, understand the game plan that we've been playing for now six, seven, eight years and and not be able to read it. It's like, they, they, that's basically, it's just nothing was working. It was too slow. Um, and coming back to what Steve was saying, I, I sort of think maybe it was the conditions that sort of like um, just hampered the Australians with, um, the, you know, with Tupo getting over the advantage line. And because he had to be a bit more assured with picking up the ball with it being wet, that, that would obviously slow them down and allows the defence to get set a bit. Yeah, and it's one of those things. We started off with drizzle in the kind of first half, and uh, it got kind of heavier as the um, as the evening went on. Uh, Jordan's saying that perhaps we shouldn't allow Wellington to have any more Test matches because they just have bad weather, um, <laughs> and uh, and also their fans don't turn up either. Um, yeah, the first time that we've had an All Blacks Test in New Zealand that's not sold out in what six seven years, I think it is now. Um, yeah, look, um, I, I think we've, you know, just, I mean, obviously digressing here from the game itself, but we've had some dodgy calls from officialdom down in Wellington um, over the last few years. We, we've seen large parts of the stadium in a sold-out game that are actually empty, and, oh, it's really cold, so people were staying inside or under the cover and watching it from there. And it's just like, mm, I don't know about that. I, I'm sort of thinking there's some, you know, um, playing around with numbers happening and this time around, it got shown up big time, especially when you haven't got out-of-towners coming in. I don't know why out-of-towners didn't come in. I mean, we're in level one, so you can get around the country. There's no no reason, but maybe there's other reasons. But, I mean, yeah, obviously there's other reasons. But, yeah, I think they got found out now. It's just like Wellington struggles to sell out test matches. Oh, I'll tell you what. We only really came out of lockdown. When was it? Last 
was it last Wednesday, last Thursday here? In only Paragon? Auckland, Steve. Only yeah. Auckland. Yeah. Right. Only yeah. Auckland. But but I, I think you get a lot of when you do have a test in Wellington. I think you get a lot of people that plan will do some planning to to travel down there, and I think that's probably what they missed on the people that had the missed out on the people that had the opportunity to travel there. But you know, I, suffice to say, to me, it's a mute point because it only looked like it might have been about five thousand short of a sellout. It was still a a pretty good vocal crowd while they found their voices in that injury time. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's about the only time they found their voices. But um listen in the in the main it was it was a, it was an okay a, okay crowd in my book. But okay. coming back to I think coming back to the game. Oh sorry you want to go Paul? I want to go here. Um voices and crowds. Okay folks if you're watching on TV, especially if you're watching overseas okay and you hear the crowd going all blacks and chanting that. The only reason they're doing that is because they're putting the words all and then blacks up on the big screen to tell the people to make noise. Seriously, um, New Zealand crowds, you need to learn how to make some, how, how to chant, how to make some how noise, make noise, maybe sing a song. Um, being led by the TV screen is not a very, <laughs> or the big screen in the, in the ground. Was it? Yeah, not so cool. That doesn't happen at Eden Park. Yes, it does. Well, I've, I've seen it in all the time. Well, then you're just and following everybody else. I've seen them put all and then blacks up on the big screen and the, yeah, and the crowd makes noise. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, because they've just been so successful throughout history, the All Blacks, and the crowd, I think they, it's just the way they are over here, you know, because um, the All Blacks have got a, such a, a great winning record where, you, where you're Wales, you need all the support you can get. You need all those, oh. you need all those, you need all those voices. And in Ireland, that's, that's just the way they are, you know. Um, they, they, they crowd, you know, I think crowd is everything to those, to those teams over there. And I think you're seeing a bit of a, through the uh, through the English um, English or the Gallagher Premiership, just with with no crowds there, it it just takes I don't know at those particular small grounds where you're right on top of the action. I think it just takes a lot away from the from from the support for the home teams, especially. So there we go. As we shared all our European um, viewers, um, <laughs> as uh, Stephen insults them all. Um, the um, but um, there we <laughs> um, the. Um, this the, uh, so, um, uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, so in that first half, particularly, I think the, even though the Aussies were behind and they should they could they should have been behind even further, apart from um, Rico dropping the ball. Um, I think actually the Aussies played a really good first half because they did have the wind. They were playing into the wind. And that wind, I think, was worth ten to fourteen points um, in that half um, to me. And I think yeah, the All Blacks should have been further ahead. Uh, let's get into it though, guys. Um, uh, Rico Iwani showboy, show, showboating I've seen tweets going oh he should be pulled off at that point and uh, he should be dropped for the next game because of it your thoughts on uh, Rico and uh, dropping the ball oh, do, uh, well I, I actually I'd like to see it again actually tell you the truth um, seeing it live I, look, first of all, I'll just go on the showboating thing I don't like players showboating I was like, get over the try line, get the ball down is absolutely, you know, that, that's it. What, what You don't need to do all the other stuff, the fancy dives and everything, unless it's required to actually score the try. In saying that, I think there's a lot... Twitter's going off. I mean, Twitter always goes off. But, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, just absolutely hoeing into Rico Iwani. But I want to say, and, and you know, I'm, I'm probably the only one in the world that sees this, but that ball didn't leave his, didn't lose contact with his hand. And if it doesn't lose contact with his hand, 
and he forces it. It only takes one finger for pressure on the ball on the ground. So it has to have separation. So I didn't see separation. I want to go see it again. I want to see it again. Um, but at the times, the replays that I've seen, I haven't seen separation. Now, whether the actual laws of the games have or have not changed, the interpretations have. Let's be honest now, because we even hear the TMO going, he didn't have control of the ball. Now, I understand that the law book doesn't say control in it, um, but uh, the uh, the interpretations clearly have changed now. What's control? That. What's well, control? Because quite often players will roll the ball through the hands and it'll end up on their fingertips as they place the ball down. I understand, um, but yep. that's that. Now you're that, that, making a subjective call. Now you're making a subjective call on what you believe to be control versus what another person believes to be control. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've got to do is take subjectiveness out and say, here's the law. And the fact is that until the ball has left the hand, it has not been knocked on. It has not been lost forward. If there's separation, that's when you've lost it. And... Um... It was a, uh, you know, uh, if he if, if he had contact, it was the most minimal contact he had at that point. I mean, it really really was down to, um, it really was down really, really was was was, uh, and the way it bounced up is as the uh, commentator said, it's like oh, it's bounced up in a way that shows that he he hasn't put that down. Um, oh, sure. The, uh, and that's and yeah, and that's 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 a part of it. Um, the Rassi did it in the Auckland Taranaki game. The ball bounced up, but he slammed the ball down. Ball bounces yeah. up. Not an indication that it's been lost forward. Rico did not. Rico did not bounce. Did not slam that down though. Let's be honest. Here. No, it doesn't matter. Um, the point is, is that if it hasn't left his grip, if it hasn't left contact with his hand, he hasn't lost the ball. The um, so you're uh, yeah, you're you're your, uh, your brothers with you on that one. Everyone else in the um, yeah. In the life oh, look, as I said, uh, I'm, said I'm, 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 I'm alone on that. But as I said, I want to go see that replay again. If he has not left, if it has not left contact, he hasn't lost the ball. Simple as that. And we've seen, and we've seen TMOs with video replays over the weekend. And we'll come to that in might of ten, getting calls wrong, even though they've got the replay in front of them. They're watching it multiple times. So Paul, um, yeah, Paul, I, I think I think regardless of whether he knocked it on or not, all the semantics were going round and round circles. Um, you've got to say as a first up test at, at centre, um, it was a fail. I mean, as I just saw one of the comments just come up, he had a misread in a defensive situation, mm. which we'll probably get to once we hit the, hit, hit the second half. He probably should have been picked up as he was tracking down that uh, far touch line as well. Although I'm saying that, you know, you, know, you give a referee a rap and the next day he misses a, a foot on the touch line sort of thing. But I'm saying that, I, I looked at that picture as well, or a still shot in and Angus Gardner's looking right behind him. So I wonder if it's a case of it looks in the frame that his foot's on the touch touch line, but maybe just the outside of his uh, of his of his um, foot is not quite touching the line. That's the only thing I could think of yep. in that respect. But it, it looked really dodgy. But just in terms of, of Rico, it, yeah, it, technique's an issue. This is something that's been, we've all been waiting to happen, as you as you pointed out um, during the match, Paul. And, but uh, I think he's, he's just, got to he's got he's got to go away and work on it. But what I what I also noticed when he, the ball was passed to him, his first instinct is to try and run out a gap on the outside. Now a, a good centre will be looking to put somebody away on the outside, and then back and back up that particular support player. 
Um, I, I just really think the All Blacks selectors made a mistake starting uh, um, Goodhue and um, and Ioani as a combination. I would have went for the two experienced heads, and if the game was under control, bring Rico Ioani with uh, with 20 minutes to go. But in my opinion, his stocks have gone down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the look, he, it, it's that style of putting it down is something we've seen uh, him do, and I think, I think it might come from his sevens days. I think it's the sevens thing um, that we've seen quite a few sevens players do. Um, but um, yeah, use two hands, folks. You've got two hands. Put two hands. Put it down, or you know, you can dive and have, and, and have it clasped to your chest so it doesn't. Um, either way, um, the uh, uh, it, it, yeah, either way, it shouldn't have made that mistake. He shouldn't have left it up to the um uh he shouldn't have left it up to the to to there shouldn't be any chance in it it's all um he should have uh, uh yeah he should have uh, put it down properly um that's all good though because it makes a boring show when we always agree with each other eh? The, <laughs> <laughs> i was 50 50 either way as to whether oh is that uh does he still have uh, uh but as, as soon as they mention um as soon as they mentioned the fact that, uh, as soon as I heard the TMO talking about control, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see where this one's going. Um, uh, hey, it's just, not written in the law book, but it's something that clearly has been a guidance or an interpretation that's gone around all the referees. Just just in terms of, um, I mean, I think we should focus on Australia and the performance they put up. But in saying mm -hmm. that, because we've gone gone to, um, we've talked about good, you know, when, when um, ALB came on, he went to centre instead of second five. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? I mean, like, because... You know, yeah, not, 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 I, I, my, my mind, ALB 12, good use at 13. R random, random for mine. Um, you know, some of, when this team came out, we obviously spoke last week about, um, what night was it? Was it last Sunday or last Monday? We spoke about the selection of, of this all black team. And, and I've got to, got to admit, I, I would have personally, I would have personally had those two midfielders in their rightful position, Anton Leonard Brown in second five, Jack Goodhue at centre. And listen, there's nothing wrong with playing a youngster. The Australians had a 20-year-old blindside flanker in Harry Wilson, who we know is, is an outstanding footballer. We've, we've, we've had some bites, you know, some some little bite-sized uh, efforts that we've seen in Super Rugby with Harry Wilson. And I thought he was very good today. And we know that uh, Caleb Clark has, has stood up against some of the best outside backs in Super Rugby. And we know his power as well. He does offer something when, when he's on the field. And that's something he offers is just power and a little bit of pace as well. Uh, I, I, I believe he should, have, he should have started on one of those wings. Yep. And, and, and this, yeah, so, I, I back that mind, up. And we saw that impact when he came on as well. For my mind, the, the, um, what the, the thing is that the, the, the All Blacks have got three 13s in that squad and no 12s. Antonio Brown, Goodhue, Rico, none of them particularly like playing 12. They're all 13s, for my mind. Um, and that's that, that, I think, is uh, is the problem at the moment. It, previously, there used to be lots of 12s and no 13s, and then this crowd's come along, and now it's the other way around. Um, one of them, I think, has got to decide that that's the position they want to have. Otherwise, you want to go um, Lam Happy. But obviously, he's injured at the moment, so you can't do that. Tell you what, Paul, I, I, I would suggest, I think they know that, and that's why he was rushed into the train with the All Blacks as as soon as possible. Because I still believe, if he's fit enough to get on the field, he, he may he may still feature somewhere. Not obviously sooner, but maybe later on down the track. Yep. Um, 
and you said, yeah, we want to have a talk about the Australians then. Um, and uh, talking about uh, debutants and young guys coming in, Filippo Dungunu, uh, he had a cracking game in that, particularly that first half, really caused Bridge some issues. Uh, well, caused the All Blacks some issues whenever whenever he was getting the ball. The Wallabies also were doing a good job getting him that little bit of space out wide so he could use his pace and his elusivity. Elusivity? Is that a word? I like it. Elusive, um, elusive. That's right. You know. elusive. <laughs> that's a fluid language. Is the word you were looking for, but you did right, Paul. <laughs> and that's, that's why we saw Harry Wilson on a couple of occasions just ranging a little bit wide, a la Kieran Reid probably about five years ago, and just getting the nice little offloads away to Dalguni, getting him, getting so he can get outside his man. And he's got good good footwork as well, and he's strong. So uh, the Australians did that very well. So that was obviously something that Dave Rennie identified in the All Blacks uh, defensive line. Just yeah, as a whole team, though, I felt they just... Sorry. Yeah. I, I, sorry. Things, I, I thought they were going to do it the opposite side against um, Geordie Barrett, but they didn't. They did it against the experienced winger... Um, the more experienced side against uh, against Bridge. I thought that uh, you know, it would have been Corabetti um, against Geordie Barrett. Should have been where the Wallabies could do it. But for some reason, it was on the other side. I think they thought the... Um, I mean, like, if, to be fair, I think Geordie Barrett's quite a good defender. He's a big guy. So he's mm. able to, as long as he can get up on the person, he can shut them down. Obviously, if somebody's got footwork, then you can... And you've got a bit of space, you might be able to have a go at Geordie. But reality is, is that you've got to get that space. Whereas on the other side, yeah, George Briss is good, good defender. He wouldn't be there if he wasn't. But, you know, probably a better chance at sort of getting that one, two, three metres, even in a tackle scenario where you can make forward gain and get your team on the front foot. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, what we saw there attacking-wise from the Wallabies, and we saw it in their defence as well, they, they just had more energy and they were just more up for it. You know, they were just there. They were into everything. And you just didn't see that energy from the All Blacks. Yeah, and that's I mean, one of the tweets I put out during the game was that you whatever else you say about Dave Rennie, and I'm I'm not his biggest fan um, to be honest, but clearly he has got that team playing for him, right? They were going for they they, they were hassling around the ruck, they were going for those 50-50 balls, they're working back in defence. He's got the, the they the work rate and the uh, and the hustle was there from the Wallabies today, uh, today definitely, and he's and he's managed to get that. And if you got your team doing that. Um, you're always on to you, you've always you're always in with a good chance of um, um, of a result. Listen, Paul, I, I know probably from from your piece, it, uh, your concern with Dave Rennie is obviously more in and around an incident that happened off the field than mm-hmm. than on the field. But boy, you've you've got to respect the guy who. What you got to remember, <clears throat> if you think back to to what was the first year that the Chiefs won, two thousand and twelve, he picked up a Chiefs team that ironically was in an absolute left left in a mess by you know who, who coaches who coaches the other side and he also had a very underperforming Waikato side at this at the time and he picked a whole lot of players from all over the shop including one Brody Retallick and he molded them into a championship winning team within one year so the first thing that says to me that a he's a good selector and b he can come up with a game plan for 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 a team in a short period of time, and that's why I've got total respect for him. But it goes even now, further further back to his days at Manawatu, when he was the Manawatu coach pre Super Rugby. They would play weight rugby that was way above their station, with with basically a limit limited talent in the side. But some of the the, the backline plays they were using 
was very, very innovative. And, and that's what I see in Dave Rennie. Sure, that, that administration thing was not a good look, but this is a this is a, a very innovative coach we're talking about here. And I personally think he's actually streets ahead of Foster as a coach. And I, I believe Foster's uh, annoys the heck out of me that I think he's just ridden the shirt tails of, of Steve Hansen. Steve Hansen. Over, over the years, and you know, to my way of thinking, he's he's in a very real situation of maybe losing the Bledisloe Cup. I know they should bounce back against Eden Park, but I think with a lot of these young Australians, a lot of them have won age group rugby against New Zealand. And I think some of them don't know how to lose against a New Zealand side. There'll be no fear after today. We also so got to remember um, on, the, on on the uh, on the Chiefs thing is that he also had Wayne Smith as assistant coach for those two years that he won. So that, that that's my yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, counter argument there. Yeah, yeah, but but his skill his skill as a coach was there long before mm. Wayne Smith. At the, at the we, we all say that, but the buck stops with a head coach, not an not an assistant, not an assistant coach. And he brought Steve but, and, and he brought Wayne Smith into the environment. You know, it's he makes the call, not not, the call. not somebody else. Nobody says, "Oh, here's Wayne." By the way, um, he's going to say, "Oh, yeah, if we can, let's get Wayne Smith." He's making those calls. Right. Yeah, but no, just yeah, um, so, um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, and as you say, uh, um, Ian Foster. Um, now, Jordan, say let's not get too far ahead of ourselves after one game. Oh, come on, uh, Jordan. What's the what's the fun if we don't get too far ahead of ourselves? <laughs> Backtrack uh, next week if we. Need I to. think to be fair though, I think the, you talk to you know we travel rugby circles obviously with what we do, and we talk to a lot of people that have been in the game for a long time. None of us have confidence in Ian Foster. There's a lot. There's a big groundswell of people that don't have confidence in Ian Foster. He he has history going back to the Chiefs as well. I think the I think the real issue is, I don't believe he's done his time no. as a head coach. He was not successful as an individual head coach, and that that is that is my issue. Let, let's yep. let's not, let's not forget that. And the other issue that I've got with him, and I don't know he's, whether he's changed this mindset, is he's extremely loyal. To certain players from certain provinces, as as well, and I hope that nepotism doesn't always enter his mind. Um, the um, so yeah, so that's uh, as you say, a, a lot of uh, shirt tails. One thing that we have seen through this, um, Steve Hand, sort of Ted Hansen, um, and now Ian Foster kind of regime has been slow starts and the first test being a. Uh, an underperformance from the All Blacks. So just putting it out there, under Old Blackadder, the uh, Crusaders used to start the season slowly, but that all disappeared with Razor. Just saying. Just um, saying. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Grenade and drop. Um, <laughs> and he's a... Um, second half... Um, uh, I must, uh, yeah, it's, I think that actually missing that that uh, penalty straight after half time um, was a real blow, body blow to that Wallabies team. If they kicked that, I think they probably would have gone on and won the game, to be honest. Um, but I think uh, they kicked that. The All Blacks go back down the field, score a try, um, and uh, look, the Wallabies did well to to not lose too much, to, to not lose too much, and, and to come back uh, and draw it. But I thought, yeah, if they kicked that penalty after. The All Blacks missed that 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 try just before half time. Uh, a ten point swing 
uh, and we could have seen, I think, where yeah, we could have seen a Wallaby, a Wallaby victory. Um, yeah, look, in that one. I think what you know, talking about the Wallabies and their kicking, how you know, how good was Australia's kicking and their kicking for position, um, etc. And the All Blacks, their kicking was terrible. Uh, honestly, in the first half, I know I've, I've just swung back to the first half, but in the first half, the commentators said that we've got the wind at our backs, and it's like, have we? Because our kicks didn't go anywhere. And it's like the first kick of the game, Moanga goes and puts the ball in, and it goes out inside the 22 from a defensive position. So I thought our kicking on the night was terrible. The Australians' kicking was phenomenal, especially when they saw that we just weren't handling that high ball or those long kicks. You know, we, we, we weren't deep for the, you know, in the... In the first half, we were too deep when it was into the wind and we were caught short coming forward. And in the second half, the ball was actually going over our players' head and they were having to retreat to try and catch the ball. So the Australians were kicking really well in both halves. And um, I, I thought when it sort of got to 16-all, or not 16-all, or what, you know, when it, when it was you know very close, and I, I actually thought that the Australians, because of the wind and the, the way they were using it, I thought they would actually get the win. Now, so we should actually... I've tried to do this already and I've failed. But we should actually concentrate on the Australian team for for Wallabies for for for, um, for five minutes. Um, a, a player that I was a bit concerned about was James O'Connor in that ten jersey. To me, not an actual fly half, um, has done well at the Reds behind a pack that goes forwards. Um, I was concerned how he would go uh, with the Wallaby pack that might not give him that front football. Um, but he had a real good game, as you say, not just um, kicking the ball, uh, taking it to the line. He was happy to take it to the line, get stuck in a ruck because then he knew. He always knew that Tamua was there for him, um, and he always had that that uh, release valve of ship it onto Tamua, who's a bit of a more powerful player um, if he needed to. And I thought, uh, I thought, uh, yeah, O'Connor um, had a good day with, um, with with obviously ably supported by um, Nick White and uh, and Tamua around him. Yeah, look, I, I sort of thought, yeah, absolutely, and uh, especially in the first half. Um, Steve mentioned you know, Tupo going um, battering ram and it's almost that first receiver and that that's sort of like you, you've got O'Connor there and you've got Tupo in the second first half. You don't know who it's going to and, um, you know, it, it gives that flexibility and that time to James O'Connor because you're mm. defensively lining up to make sure you stop Tupo, aren't you? And so mm. that gives him more time. And, and, and at the end of the day, I think it comes back to coaching because I think the fact is that they had a game plan and they stuck to the game plan. So it's making your te team stick to the game plan. And they they were executing it, so they got confidence out of that. And yes, the, and one of the key stats for me in this game was turnovers. Um, 20 conceded by the All Blacks, 12 by Australia. Um, and I think quite a few of those were in the in, in, in that last three minutes, to be honest, or um, or, or after, after time was up by Australia, because they seemed to turn it over in their own 22 a few times. So they were probably only about eight turnovers for the rest of the game, which meant that, look, they were retaining possession well. They could go through phases. Um, they might not be uh, making sort of many clean breaks and things. Um, I think probably their best clean breaks came off first phase move. But they could go through the phases, maintain phases, make the All Blacks make a lot of tackles. Um, 223 attempted tackles by the All Blacks in this game, which is a, uh, a stack. Um, and, uh, yeah, that ball retention... An area that they did struggle on, though, was the set piece. Um, and uh, a, a couple of line-outs lost um, really hurt them in this game um, as well. One on their own line, one, um, uh, I think, on the All Blacks line as well. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, 
a, a game that I think yeah, the, the Wallabies definitely go away from this one going, we should have won that. Um, to, 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 to my mind. Paul, I think, um, I think we should, Paul, I was going to say, we shouldn't forget as well, they had four debutants in that mm-hmm. side as as well. You know, we mentioned Harry Wilson before, but we also had uh, Hunter uh, Paisani Paisan. as, as well out there, Dal, um, Dalgunu, who was also out there. I don't know if Tom Banks has played for the Wallabies before, but Tom, yes, Banks, yes. Tom Banks looks safe as houses. At, at the back, and he's got a good and he's got a good boot as well. So, you know, they, they've got the makings of a of a very good team. We know the strike power that they can, that they've got finishing ability, and um, I'm really super excited for them when Jordan Pattaya, if he is fit, because I think he's one he's one guy who can step in there. But I, I think you are right. They are they they, they do just have a, a one trick pony in, in in James James O'Connor because. Uh, after after O'Connor, I suppose you'd, you'd almost be looking to maybe put somebody like uh, Reese Hodge into first line if somebody well, else had an injury. Um, the uh, rookie, yeah. on the bench um, who didn't get did, who didn't get on the pitch. Um, so yeah, you're talking then about him or um, or Harrison from the um, from the Waratahs, are two very young, um, only first season at Super Rugby really um, level um, players. So yeah, so two very very rookies after him. Um, so yeah, you do want him to definitely stay fit because uh, yeah, it, it's, they're, they're they're definitely thin in places. But in other players, they've got a couple of players that um, that can come in, as you mentioned there. Um, oh, it's gone blank. The uh, the Reds um, outside centre, come winger um, to uh, to come in um, as well. Jordan so, yeah. Pattaya. Right, thank you. Yeah, so uh, Steve, where would you put him if you if you bring if like let's say next week he's all fit and. A hundred percent to go. Where would you put him? Actually, I just I just forgot. They've also got the option of um of, of pushing um, Matt Tamua, who can step into first line as mm, well. Yeah. So that that's that's not an option. Yeah, I'd you know I'd, I'd be tempted to give him a run uh, ahead of um, uh, ahead of uh, Paisami, even though Paisami was 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 very pretty good, good today. Although, yeah, he was pretty good today. So you'd, it'd probably be hard to drop him, but we all know he has got. Uh, genuine quality. Um, a guy in their pack who really impressed me was Lukan Salakai Loto. He just carries the ball so well, and there were a couple of times I actually thought he he, he actually manhandled a couple of the couple of the All Black forwards. He's he's one tough cookie, cookie and he's developing nicely. And that combination of uh, of Philip and um, and and of course uh, Salakai Loto, they look like they could end up forming a really really good. Um, Good partnership in the Wallaby team. Yep. Now the other big talking point about this before we get on to the minor ten cup games is that last sort of five or six minutes where neither side yeah. uh, managed to pull up pull, pull off a, a drop goal. I mean, um, uh, the, the 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 Wallabies didn't even put anyone in the pocket. Um, the moment that uh, Richard Mwanga looked to drop back a bit, we ended up heading into turnover city. Um, and uh, we never got back into that pocket again. Uh, but yeah, guys, the, okay, swirly conditions, but even so, you've got to give it a crack, haven't you? Well, I mean, like, I, I was absolutely shocked. Both sides, as you said, both sides, not just, I mean, like, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Jordan or Nocturnal that made the comments about no no drop kick, right? And um, uh, and, and it's like, well, Project, it's just like um, both sides had opportunities to take drop kicks. The All Blacks, just before uh, TJ threw the bullet to Carl's head, Right in front of the sticks, 
they probably had the best opportunity. But one thing, just talking about Richie Moanga, was I was scratching my head because we had TJ at the back of the ruck and Moanga was sort of like within a metre of him. And I was like, what are you doing? I mean, surely you want to get into a position to either receive the ball to spread it or drop back in the pocket. He wasn't doing either. He was standing next to TJ. It wasn't like he needed to go protect the ball because the forwards had actually done that. And he was wandering around the back of a ruck. So... And then TJ goes and throws the ball at Carl's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, in, in, in those frantic minute, minutes, everything has to be accurate. You know, the passes have got to, it, it's got to hit the player on the between the, the chest and the, and the gut, as, as far as I'm concerned. Anything higher than the chest where the player has to reach up, you're, you're, you're asking them far too much, especially... Dare I say it, one of the props. <laughs> if he had Sorry. caught the ball, there would have been someone driving into his ribs, right? Because his arms are up. He's totally exposed. He was he was going to get cleaned up if he'd even caught the ball. There was He wasn't going to go forward, put it that way. Um, yeah, and I think there's... Um, you say, why don't we... uh, I think there's probably a good reason as to why Richard Mwanga um, hasn't been first choice in this side earlier. I mean, we're seeing now is that composure at the end there wasn't there. Uh, as you say, Oshwin, and that's probably what Steve Hansen was seeing and why he didn't, uh, and, and why it took Richard Moanga a couple of years to actually get into the squad, never mind actually into the actual in, into the team itself. Um, the, so why, why, why don't why don't teams take penalties though? We didn't address that really. Teams, you know, there's a real head scratcher. Fans are going take the drop kick, drop, take the drop kick, but teams won't take the drop kick unless you're England. Yep, or South Africa. <laughs> That was South Africa, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, they, they should have. I don't know why. Uh, they have something they haven't. Uh, as as one of the um, 2003 English sayings, teacup, thinking clearly under pressure, um, and you do that because you run through the scenario and you know what to do. You don't have to think on the hoof, and probably these sides just haven't come up with a, what's our game plan if we're drawing or one point behind uh, and in their 22 with time up. They're just not running through that scenario. Um, hey, otherwise, they would be uh, in a more in a, in a clearer situation. You know the irony of the situation. Let's. Uh, I, I don't like golden point extra time. Okay, I don't like it. But the irony of the situation: if we had it for today's game, what would they be doing in that extra time? They'd be taking drop kicks. But you know, <laughs> with a minute to go in a game, you can't take a drop kick that would avoid the extra time. <laughs> uh, yes. But thankfully, we didn't. We weren't talking about kissing our sisters at the end, and that wasn't part of the. Uh, part, you just did. I did. They didn't. I'm an only child. I've not got a sister, so I can't tell you what it really feels like. But uh, I don't know if you guys have got sisters or not. But um, we went. Perhaps we shouldn't go there. Um, so um, yeah, I think that's probably wraps up the uh, the um, the blood so We will be back tomorrow evening. I'm sure we'll be looking for with the driving more show, and I'm sure we'll look forward to the next game um, at. Uh, Eden Park and talk about it then. But Sim, one more point? Yeah, just one more point. Just on, on, on the official. Obviously, it was unusual to see a New Zealander refereeing a, 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 a New Zealand game that the All Blacks are, are, are involved with. But I, I, listen, I thought in the main, I thought Paul Williams had a, had a, had a pretty good game. I mean, there's a couple of people questioning a couple of things in the, in, um, on, on the social network. But I thought in the main, yep. I thought he had a pretty, a pretty good game, and the biggest, he... biggest blue, biggest blue of the game, which was the foot on the line, if it was a foot on the line, was Angus Gardner, not not Paul Williams. 
let's let, let, let's be blunt here, folks. The reason we haven't got a neutral ref is because of COVID um, and uh, quarantining, all that kind of stuff, and also the fact that all the other countries are playing rugby at the moment. All their refs are busy. Simple. Um, so that's why we've got it. It's 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 a, it's a COVID thing. It's not some conspiracy. Oh, we shouldn't have a, not a Kiwi refereeing a Bledisloe. Look, we've got Nazi next week because that's the referees that are available. All the other ones are busy at home, um, and they end up having to take two weeks off to come here and two weeks off when they go home again. And with the, with the amount of rugby that's on at the moment, we can't afford referees being so sat, sat in isolation um, doing that. Put bluntly. Um, so, minus 10 cup then, boys. Um, I say, yeah, join us tomorrow evening for the, for the uh, Driving War show. Um, we'll uh, perhaps have a quick, uh, we'll put in that one, discuss um, who should have been kicking, whether it should have been Jordy Barrett or not, um, and uh, also look forward to the Eden Park game. Minus 10 then, Friday night, Manawatu versus Canterbury. Um, Manawatu dominating the first half, but down at half time, uh, and then Canterbury doing their thing and uh, and basically taking the game away in the second half. Um, yeah, Manawatu unable to to take take advantage of their um, of, of 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 when they when they dominated, unfortunately. Yeah, got it. You got it in one, uh, uh, Paul. They dominated a lot of that early field, field territory. They actually got in behind uh, Canterbury. But when you're playing a team like Canterbury, you've just got to take your chances. And and unfortunately for the Turbos, they just didn't take those those chances. And I, I think during that period, I think the um, the uh, the um, Canterbury team only only had a few chances, and they nailed and they nailed all of them in the in, in the first half. They can they can break out and hurt you from anywhere. Yeah, Canterbury, not the side that they have been the last couple of years, but still way too good for a team that hasn't won yet this season. Um, Taranaki, Auckland, I'll be honest, I haven't seen this one, but 28-29, a one-point victory. I did not see this coming. Either of you guys see it? Yep. Steve, you want to go? Yeah, interesting, interesting game. I mean, so Auckland started like they were half asleep, um, to, be, to be brutally honest. A couple of contentious refereeing calls. In, in, in that game as well, but before you before you sort of looked at the scoreboard, Auckland uh, Auckland were behind by must have been a good what twenty odd twenty odd points or yeah or something like that before they actually it's about twenty three five twenty three five I think it was mm. before they really got going yeah wow. and and it is like you have to say it's there was I mean like Auckland were there at the end of the day Auckland were their own worst enemy they were quite sort of like when they could control the ball. They were actually, you know, showing to be the dominant team, um, but they just made stupid errors, and they're not helped by some really dubious calls um, being made by the officiating trio. Um, well, actually, not just the trio, because I'll come to. Um, I was made a, a comment before in the Bledisloe about the. It's just like about the TMO. There's a clear hand to the face where actually a, a, a finger gets in the eye of, I think it was Blake Gibson from Ben May. Um, we see it straight away from the couch. The commentators say, oh, yeah, it's not Ricky Ricky Telly. He's, um, it's actually Ben May that comes across the top. And the three officia officials go, oh, no, Ricky Telly didn't do anything. Yeah, well, it's obviously everybody knows Ricky Telly didn't do anything. Ben May comes over the top with a closed fist to the face, which is, had the thumb sticking out. If you zoom it in, you'd probably be able to see it. And it's just like, end of the day, it doesn't matter whether the thumb's sticking out or not. It's direct contact with the fist to the face. 
It's like, what could they not see? And it's just like amazing. As I said, the commentators that saw the same thing that we saw live in the game. And it's just like the fact that the officials could not get that right was just shocking. And it's just like it was, it sort of summed up some of the officiating in the game. Uh, well, yeah, shame that. Um, the, uh, the, 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 we, the, we couldn't do that one. Uh, we could, we got the, the association not, not living up to the level. Uh, unfortunately, again, our top referees are away with Blenders Like Cup, and so we're going to have there's, there's going to be some, some new guys. Oh, no, but see, that's the thing, Paul. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't hand, no, that, I can't take that as an uh, excuse because it's in a TMO looking at replays, not a guy following the game live. It's the guy yep. with the same pictures in front of him watching it again, not live, that we've, we're watching was just seen. So that's that's just poor officiating that needs to be addressed. Okay. Uh, so I've not seen it. So anyway, um, moving on then, Harbour versus Hawks Bay. Harbour, um, two fantastic results now. Beat Tasman last weekend. They've really got their tackle and rucking technique down. Something that Sam Ward talked to me about pre-season um, as being an area of focus for them. It's clicked. They denied Tasman the ball. Um, and Stephen, you were there. I believe they did it all over again against Hawks Bay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam Ward reiterated those uh, points. Uh, Paul, they, they, they were brutal at, at breakdown and they never let Hawks Bay get into any sort of rhythm at all. In fact, the early exchanges were dominated by the Hawks Bay Magpies. I just felt though there was not a lot of variety in the Magpies attack and uh, listen they just picked off any opportunity that uh, any any loose ball that they uh, left on the floor there was a couple of uh, there was a high kick which uh, that um, Hawks Bay didn't look after Jared Page latched onto that and then uh, I think he'd uh, he'd scored a second try before half time as well from an intercept showed some really good pace as well to uh, score that try and I think also Dylan Hunt nailed a try from close range um, that made the score 22 points to 10. Hawks Bay's only try coming from uh, uh, Marino Michaeli too, who scored from a, a drive close range. But no, all, all Harbour just just too good. They're, uh, they dom- they dominated at scrum at um, set piece line out. They also put a bit of pressure on uh, Hawks Bay. Far, far too good all around. Good for good for the uh, Harbour supporters that uh, got out to watch that game. And of course. Uh, as you know, they've had a long-time, long-term sponsor in QBE Insurance, who uh, basically paid out two thousand dollars for every North Harbour try that was scored, and there were seven tries scored. But I, I believe they kept it at ten thousand dollars, <laughs> and that was for uh, with the orange shirts for World Homeless Day. So yeah, it was a good, good day all round. That's awesome. Yep. Um... Obviously, yeah, shield hangover maybe to me. I think perhaps more the um, more Hawks Bay really just uh, sorry more um, Harbour being really on their game at the moment. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, Hawks Bay. But a squad Bay rotation goes. as well. Uh, was there Steve or it was just a couple of yeah. players? Yeah, a l- little bit, a little bit of that. You know, a couple of experienced front. Um, I think um, I think uh, Elliot Dixon, not Elliot Dixon, um, Ash Dixon, Ash Dixon didn't make the trip. Trip, trip north, and, and we all know what a big part of that team he is. Uh, I think McClutchy and Fakatava, the starting halves, were, were both on the, 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 on the bench. bench. But, but unfortunately yeah. for Hawks, mate, I think the damage was well and truly done by then. I thought one area where I thought Hawks Bay were pretty poor were in the midfield with uh, Sepsford and uh, also Sam Nickel, who returned from a long term injury. So they, they really struggled 
in that area, usually they have Danny Tawala and Stacey Ely. Stacey Ely especially has got great footwork and just just gives them something a little bit different in that midfield. But uh, poor, poor, poor all round. In fact, uh, Kurt Baker at the back looked a little disinterested to say to, to say the. I'm sure he wasn't disinterested, but yeah, didn't didn't have, didn't have a memorable game is what I'm trying to say. See, he wasn't. He wasn't going to be allowed to take his kit off at the end of the game, which was going to be and 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 pose for a photo on someone's shoulders. Um, so hence, he wasn't interested. Um, moving on, then high scoring game between Wellington and Otago, thirty four thirty five. Um, another one I've missed unfortunately because I was over at Waikato at the game. Good game. Um, did you, any any of you guys see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of thought. Um, I think if if Otago had lost that one, they would have been kicking themselves because really they they only. Wellington sort of got into positions of opportunity or got their points really off the back of mistakes by Otago trying to do exit plays a couple of times. So that sort of kept it close. Um, but Otago looked dangerous every time they had the ball. Um, I think what – Steve, you see the game as well? Yes, I, I, I did. Very, very good game. And a couple of really good long-range tries mm. as well. One off a, a guy who's much maligned, Michael Collins, He's doing a good job leading the Otago side. Made a break from inside his own twenty-two, and they they finished it about eighty odd meters later. So that was probably the the try of the match. But um, I, I think the other area where they got on top of Wellington at the end was at scrum time, which was which mm. was a, a little bit of a surprise. I mean to say, Wellington have been really good, and I've got to say, probably one of the quieter games I've seen from um, Duplessis Kariffi. Yeah, who's normally in the absolute thick of, thick of the action. Um, I mean, to so say they, they just weren't on their game. You even had the likes of Wes Houston, who's normally safe on the tackle, missing a couple of tackles. But it was a very well-deserved win uh, to Otago. And I think their forward pack, uh, their loose forwards, especially Dallin, guys like Dallin Nell, set the platform for the win. He, he was very good. So uh, good bounce back from Otago, given that they... Uh, we're beaten a week ago by Hawks Bay. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're sort of like bounce back after that shield loss quite well. Mm. And just alluding to that um, Michael Collins play that was, it's just like, you know, an inexperienced player would have tried to thread the needle to the man outside, wouldn't he? As opposed yeah. to being calm and composed and just putting that little grubber through yeah. for the, is it, the flanker to latch onto, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a great play. Yeah, it was good, good heads up play, as they say. Yep. So good, 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 and well-deserved victory to uh, to Otago. And I also put a tweet out there for uh, I'm probably put the mocker on him on Ingus Gardner. It was a fantastic performance. But once again, you saw it with uh, Paul Williams today. I, I think that communication when when officials are out there is everything. And I think if you're com- communicating positives with the players as well, I think the, the the players gain that trust and know what they can and can't do. Where uh, the official for the next game we're about to get to, Paul, the Waikato uh, <laughs> uh, counties counties game, um, yeah. Oh dear, yeah. So Waikato counties game, and I'll tell you, uh, within the media box, um, <laughs> there wasn't much love for the um, referee even before he'd stepped on the pitch. In all honesty, he's got a bit of history um, with the uh, with the Waikato side. Uh, look, counties kept themselves in this when it was fifteen uh, against fifteen, uh, but look, we basically lost. Uh, about ten minutes, the last ten minutes of the first half, due to scrums and lineouts in the in in, in the counties, um, uh, twenty-two, uh, and eventually uh, that ended up with a yellow card for um, uh, four counties. It probably should have come 
earlier, in all honesty. Somehow he managed to come up with a penalty try from that, um, which, okay, fine. Uh, there was definitely some calls for that in the in the media box, but in all honesty, you can't give penalty tries to just repeat infringement. And that's what it looked like in the end, because it wasn't, yeah, there was nothing different in that in, in that penalty than there had been in other penalties, and it was not a definite try. Um, uh, so anyway, um, he gave penalty try, 17 points um, was scored by Waikato during that 10 minutes of yellow card, either side of half time, and the game was essentially gone. It's not quite what was said by the um, by the head coaches afterwards, but hey, um, what do they know? I'm the uh, I'm the guy that watches all these games and tells you what's happened. So, um, but um, yeah, basically, counties competitive when they had 15 players on the pitch, not when they had 14, uh, and Waikato made them pay. Essentially, what's the um, what's the actual protocol? What's the Sorry? actual protocol on yellow cards? Because my understanding was that if you give a yellow card in that sort of situation, you know, I'm sorry, not a yellow card, sorry, penalty try, sorry. When you give a penalty try, it has to be accompanied by a yellow card. But think, so oh, many times we're seeing penalty tries that don't get accompanied by yellow cards. Well, this one did. I mean, it's just, but, the, but the yellow card... No, but was it was really prior. Good. It was prior. So he gives the yellow oh, card sorry, first, right. and right. then you're he gives right. the penalty try afterwards. And I... Th- thought i mean i could be wrong on this my understanding was that they'd introduced the law rule whatever you want to call it is the fact is that if a penalty try is given a yellow card must accompany it i think i think actually it was one of those things where he actually gave the penalty try against the team there was no one mitigating player that either collapsed the scrum the re- mm. the, rea- the reality is the scrum was under pressure it yep. was going back at a rate of knots and Collectively, he gave it against the whole, the whole team, but it's kind of be weird if he gave. Yellow card for the whole team. Yeah, <laughs> um, just touching on that on that game, though, it's good to see uh, Luke Jacobson and his brother. They, they they were in hot form in that game, and I thought they were a big big difference at at break time when Counties Monaco were trying to get back into that game. But it's you know, interesting. I, I just... and Otago didn't have recognised seven. Um, neither did Waikato. They had four recognised sixes. Um, no recognised eight, no recognised seven, and only one recognised lock. Um, but hey, it worked for them. It's good to I know just want to say, that, Paul. <laughs> got to recognise that. Unprecedented. I just want to say, so just just with counties and just harking back to Manawa too, two teams that actually do create scoring opportunities, but really don't take advantage of the scoring opportunities that they take. Uh, sorry, create. You know, and, and it really comes back to hurt them because how it'd be something that would be really hard to keep your head up when you, you're bashing away, you're creating, oh, in the last minute pass or a little knock on or something. And the next minute, you know, the opposition's gone and scored down the other end. So I, I think if they can take advantage of some of the opportunities that they create, they're going to be um, in the game a bit more and give themselves a better shot. Just on, just on the official, obviously, we're talking about... Brendan Pickerel. Now, he had the opportunity to, when they were packing down all those scrums, to actually blow his whistle and stop time. And we saw an example of, of that in one of the games today that we'll get to a little bit later. But I just thought he missed the boat a little bit that at that time, and I thought there was a lot of time put in with set scrums. I can remember Waikato being on attack almost, I think it was about the 30th minute, 31st minute, and they got that penalty try, Paul, what was it, almost right on oh. half time. On half time, as yeah, the hooter had gone. Uh, so yeah, it, it, we we had yeah, we literally had ten minutes of scrums and lineouts in that twenty-two. We, the ball didn't 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 go more than ten meters out uh, away from the um, from the county's line because it was either a scrum, oh a penalty. We'll kick to the corner. 
we'll do them all. Oh, another penalty. Oh, we'll choose the scrum. And then we'll and, and it just, yeah, as you say, it was just scrum after scrum, and it was just I, I yeah, I I nearly lost the world to live. And once <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're still with us, Paul. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Wayne. That, and that's what I and that's what I mean. You 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 talk about those messages, those real positive messages that you're getting from the officials. Most of the messages I was hearing from from Pickerel were negative messages and you know, I think there comes a time where the players almost switch off. Well, he's not going to do anything about it, so we'll keep doing the same thing. Um, yeah, there was yep. a bit of that. But listen, at the end of the day, a deserved win to uh, Waikato, and they pick up the five points. Yep. Um, so after that, we had uh, Tasman versus uh, Bay of Plenty um, in this one. Um, Aaron, it does not sound like English rugby, so please. Deary me, sir. Deary me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, the, um, sounds like sing, it sounds like English rugby, eh, Steve? Um, so Tasman versus Bay of Plenty, and, and another one of these stories where Bay of Plenty, lots of territory, particularly in the second half, in the first half, uh, lots of lot, lot should have uh, um, got got points on the board, but they didn't. Um, Tasman playing into that wind in that first half, which obviously gave Bay of Plenty plenty of territory. Um, make mistakes, off go um, uh, Tasman down the other end and and, and, and score some really aggressive defence by Tasman um, and uh, some missed tackles by Bay of Plenty. So this game was actually won and lost on the def- on defence rather than really on the attack um, being uh, being that much difference. Um, happy birthday, um, Lester Fionniuku! Um, two tries. So congratulations to him. I'm sure he'll be having some nice cake this. Uh, this evening, and um, Stephen, I think you forgot to mention him this morning. I probably, I probably <laughs> did, because <laughs> I probably mentioned happy birthday to other people. I was just going to say on, on Tasman, though, um, that's no surprise. They would have been really grumpy after getting tickled up by Harbour last. Uh, um, when was that? When did that happen? Last Sunday. Last weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, uh, yeah, you just had a funny feeling that Bay of Plenty. We're going to feel the backlash, and unfortunately for Bay of Plenty, they are now well and truly in the gun of um, of uh, the team that's probably most likely to head back down to the championship. Mm. And when well, we're almost at the halfway stage of the uh, Modern yep. Ten Cup, Paul. So uh, we are yeah. we this week five, so halfway through, and uh, and Harbour have hit their straps. Um, we were it was looking like Harbour was going to be the side to go down, but with them with them hitting, hitting their straps, boy, yeah, Bay of Plenty are in are in trouble. Just one question for you always. When's the last time you've seen a pushover try um, against the head? The defending team um, put the ball in, the opposition drive over um, and uh, win hit. the ball, the, get, get, a, get a tight head and then drive over and, uh, and, and score a try. So, um, yeah, we had one of those in this game. I've never seen one of those before. Uh, so that was the first for me. Probably when Zinni did it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be right. That'll be right. Um, there was another game on at the same time as that one, which was uh, Northland versus um, Southland. 18- Did you see that, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was flicking. I was flicking between uh, uh, both of those games, and yeah, Scotty Donaldson makes a really good point that the uh, Tanifar defence was good, and they took their chances. While Southland slight underdog should have won in that. So. A really good assessment. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think from a northern piece, I think the things that they can be 
quite positive about is is their defence and they and the ticker that they showed to get across the line. But in terms of the negatives, there's going to have to be a lot of practice when it comes to field exits um, during the week before they hit the road to uh, uh, Napier on this Friday night because um, they were very, very poor in that area. They played very little rugby. In fact, Southland played most of the rugby in this game and will probably look back and think that um, they, they missed a real opportunity to get a win on the road. And uh, had they won, it would have been well-deserved, but full credit to the uh, the Tanifar and uh, especially their hard-working loose forward, Tom Robinson, who picked up the uh, man of the match in this game. It was just very aggressive at, uh, at breakdown. I know that uh, Dale, there's an article that's in stuff, Dale McLeod having a crack at his team just for really not being a, aggressive enough and, and taking the ball by the by the horns because he'd be totally frustrated. They've been in two situations, their game against Waikato last weekend and now this game, two real opportunities to get across the line and they've, and they've missed the boat. Yeah, interesting that they've scored a, a losing bonus point in all of their... Um... In all of their games that they haven't they haven't won this season, so they've been there or thereabouts in every game, which is not something that we could say of the team last year or the last, from the last couple of years. So it's been a massive step forward for, for them. Um, mm. But as you say, that's uh, uh, they're, they're still they're still angry about it, and that's and that's a good thing to see when they when they're getting close in these games and being angry that they haven't managed to go one step further. If they were if if they were happy with that, uh, then you'd be then you'd be worried about whether they were yeah. whether they'd be able to push on and improve again. Paul, I was going to say their skipper to Tony Lambert is absolutely inspirational to that to that particular side. He picks them up, and you know they have a couple of good young guys coming on nicely. Brother of um, Solomon uh, Alamalo, Charles Alamalo, is looks like he's he's developing very very nicely. But there was a, a loss during the game. Hopefully, the injury isn't too bad to Selby uh, um, Manaki Selby Rickett who came off with uh, with a knee injury during the game. I noticed he had an ice pack, so that was a heck of a loss. And uh, I thought Ray New and the two of yeah, Ray New and Isaac uh, Tatamaki, look, they're a real threat in the midfield. As Paul brings up the uh, table there, you can see Northern at with that win today, sitting uh, top of the table. Really? Um, yeah, When's the last four, time that happened, Steve? Four wins, yeah. It, it was a long ago, but it's probably only until Friday night if they take <laughs> on the team that's sitting... Uh, right behind them in, in Hawke's Bay. And, of course, if you look at our Mighty 10 Cup table, Tasman, well, they've bounced back well. But Auckland's still in the reckoning after that uh, win against uh, Taranaki. And Waikato sit sit comfortably. And we're halfway through. So it'll be interesting so, to see how it all plays out. And, of course, Bay of Plenty yeah. on seven points are in trouble. The thing for... The good the thing for Auckland is that they've um, now basically got the hard road to the end of the competition. Um, basically, all their games, majority of their games against premiership teams now, um, and as we can see, I, I think when you look at that premiership table, it's actually quite a bit of a logjam. There's not, you know, when you look at Wellington on 15 um, and Tasman on 20, uh, you know, you, you're only looking at one game between the top place team and the fifth place team. And, and Harbour's starting, as Paul just mentioned, starting to hit their straps. So that's going to be a pretty tight competition, I think, by the end, at the end of um, when it, by the time we get. Are we having playoffs this year? Yes, we are. So we got yep, to so semi-final. Yeah, get to that. Yeah, semi. Yeah. So, so yeah, so semi-finals and final, just like every every other, just yeah, just like normally is. Um, assuming that uh, uh, nothing changes around our levels and all of that kind of stuff, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, as you say, very tight in that top one. 
um, there. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, we're even talking about sixth place potentially climbing into um, those playoffs uh, at this point. They're, 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 they're what they're six points off um, fourth place. So look, it's it's within their grasp if they if results go their way in the championship. Again, very close as you say. Northland three points ahead of Hawks Bay and Otago, who are four points ahead of Southland, um, who, who are just one point ahead of Taranaki counties and uh, Manawa two a bit of drift at the bottom there uh, but look playing some good rugby just not finishing it off um, and the score lines um, hurt, looking worse than uh, perhaps the results the, 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 than the games really were quickly covering off on the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup then um, three games this weekend as the South Division um, had a bye um, Harbour beat Waikato oh, sorry Harbour beat Waikato Harbour lost to Waikato 0-62 um, look uh we, we already know that essentially um, Harbour and Taranaki are going to lose all of their games in that North Division, um, apart from the game they played against each other, which Harbour beat um, Taranaki. Uh, so, um, oh, sorry, the other way around, Taranaki beat um, Yeah, Harbour. I was going to say, I thought it was Taranaki um, won, yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so that's uh, um, so unsurprising there with that, that win for Waikato. Um, counties um, versus Bear Plenty. This was a, a really good game um, by all accounts. Finished 17-10, and that uh, that winning score was late on as well. Um, could really have gone either way, that one between counties and Bay of Plenty. Counties, who I think we we thought were going to be um, kind of leading the way, uh, have uh, have really been um, pegged back by uh, some of the other teams um, and uh, not been the dominant force we were expecting. So, um, uh, yeah, really interesting. Um, that's uh, there. Um and then basically, finally, sorry, I was just going to say, basically, since they lost their prop, whose name I'm not going to remember, um, they seem to have uh, lost all their power. Well, not all their power, but they've not been playing that dominant game that they have. Oh, yes, that's true. Yep, I remember that. Yep, she was, um, yeah, she go, uh, yeah, got injured in that game. I was up there for, you're right. Yes, I, I um, yeah, I, yeah, very powerful scrimmager, very powerful player. Um, she always gets over the game line. Uh, you're, yeah, I know who you mean now. Um, and having th- yeah that kind of presence, who you can always just ship it to, and you know will give you that front foot ball and get you out of trouble, makes a big difference um, to a side um, there. And um, then the final game of the round, um, uh, Northland beating Taranaki 77-3, including um, a rather impressive uh, prop scoring a try as well. Um, Stephen, I don't know if you've seen that one. No, I can't say I've seen that try, but what I what I, what I, what I what I do know is uh, Portia Woodman touched down for a record six tries in the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup. That's not been seen before, but I'm uh, assuming you're talking about Crystal Murray scoring an impressive try. I am Crystal Murray scoring for it. So the ball goes out; it goes to the hooker, who uh, uses quick hands to uh, give to Crystal, who is um, um, a good um, sort of 30, 40 meters out. Um, uh, she uh, hits the gap at pace. Then steps round um, the, uh, the the uh, the 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 fullback who uh, comes up to try and tackle her, and over she goes to score. So yes, some impressive work by Crystal Murray, uh, the ex-league player, um, who is now uh, playing prop and also who kicks goals as well. Um, so yes, the, uh, the the whole package there um, with uh, with Crystal, the full skill set, Paul. Full skill set, and that that result. Well, originally two three couple of weeks ago, we thought they would be the kingmakers in this. Uh, competition but now they've actually got their fate in their own hands they take on Bay of Plenty Volcanics uh, this Saturday so really really big games I forgot to also mention in the Mighty Team Cup coming up this weekend 
two real big games. North Harbour play Wellington and Wellington. I'm going to tip North Harbour. That's a big game. And Auckland play Tasman at uh, Eden Park. Another big game. So, so With a crowd. With a crowd. So three massive games coming up this weekend. And obviously, oh, well, also the Ranfurly Shield challenge between uh, Hawke's Bay and um, Northland. And we will have our own. We'll be covering that game as Stephen gets down there to cover that game for us. Um, we've had <laughs> a quick media pass. Um, <laughs> um, so you can do us some interviews. Um, uh, also, um, the, but you've got to remember that in the um, Farrah Palmer Cup, it's only the top two that go through to the uh, um, the finals from each um, uh, from each pool. Uh, so we'll have to see um, if uh, so. Yeah, Northland still five points behind Auckland Storm in that one. Uh, they're going to need Auckland Storm to slip up um, if, uh, uh, if if they're going to make it um, in uh, in in that one. And I think we've just got um, yes one round of games to go. So um, Auckland versus Waikato is the final game. Uh, so uh, yes, if Waikato um, tip up Auckland, then Northland um, could um, get into. Is that right? Yes, then Northland yeah. could. Um, could could Northland or counties um, could get themselves into uh, the playoffs there. Canterbury already in, um, and it's down to Manawatu or Wellington um, to get that final place. Um, with Manawatu playing Hawks Bay, um, look, their odds on to, uh, to 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 get that second place down there in the um, Southern Pool. Um, cool. Uh, I guess um, next weekend is also the final of the um, Gallagher Premiership, folks. Um, or, uh, or Exeter um, versus uh, Bristol, I think it is in that one. Um, I'll just uh, quickly uh, check that I'm uh, that I've got that uh, I've got that right. Um, and um, we've also got the uh, oh no, sorry, no, next weekend, sorry, is the uh, European uh, Champions Cup and European Challenge Cup finals. Um, Exton versus Rassing um, and Bristol versus somebody or other. Too long um, in that. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, we've it, it's it's funny that we're getting finals time up in Europe at the same time as we have finals time down here uh, in New Zealand. So perhaps we have got that um, that global calendar that we've all been asking for for so long, um, in a weird kind of way, or not. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen, for um, joining me this evening. So we're back tomorrow night with the um, Driving Mall show. Uh, it'll be the final week time that we'll have it on a Monday night because from next week, not well, a week on Monday, um, we'll be having Swinging from the Hip. We'll move to a Monday evening, folks, and we'll uh, shuffle around when the uh, Driving Mall show will be. Tuesday evening, we'll, we'll have, we will have the, um, the basketball show, probably the last one. Um, as the NBA finals uh, will come to a conclusion um, over the next couple of days, most likely. Uh, and then obviously the standoff show um, on a Wednesday evening as well. So um, thank you. Um, oh, go on, Stephen. There you go. I just thought I'd uh, almost going to say it was remiss of us to remember that uh, Michael uh, Hooper played 100 tests for Australia today. So uh, congratulations to the uh, Number seven, that's no mean feat. 100 tests, Michael Hooper. Congrats. Absolutely, congrats. I did have that in my notes and forgot to say it. Uh, so uh, so there we go. Um, 
the uh, uh, so yes, so I say um, we'll be talking tomorrow night about things like should Geordie have been kicking um, with uh, Richard Mwanga and uh, Damon McKenzie on the pitch. Uh, I'm sure that there will be other um, things that we'll talk about, perhaps uh, previewing uh, obviously the Bledisloe Cup, previewing maybe the uh, uh, the Ranfurly Shield game as well, since uh, Stephen is heading down there. Um, and um, have a wonderful uh, Sunday evening, folks. Hope you've all had a great uh, and fantastic weekend. Thank you, Ashwin. Thank you, Stephen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.